We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Battlestar Galactica episode, The Magnificent Warriors. Blue Squadron defeats an incoming Cylon attack fleet, but a few ships get through. They reach the fleet and destroy two-thirds of the aggro ships in the fleet. The other loses its air and the crops are destroyed. The only way the fleet will be able to feed itself is if they can get new seed for the remaining aggro ship. What luck! There's an agricultural colony not far out of their way. Adama makes plans to trade an energizer for seed. One hitch, the only suitable energizer in the fleet belongs to Cyrus Bellaby, and despite the fact that she'll die along with everyone else on the fleet if she refuses to give it up, she refuses to give it up without concessions from Adama. Specifically, she wants Adama to woo her. Bellaby also insists on going on the mission to make sure they get a good deal for the Energizer. The inhabitants of the planet have a problem. Every time the full moon surprises them, the Bores, a group of pig-like humanoids, stampede into town, steal the grain from the farmers, take a few of their women for sex slaves, and kill the town constable. The job of constable is a difficult position to fill for the town recruiter. Starbuck and Boomer enter town. The mayor of the town is more interested in them taking a job as constable than he is in trading for an energizer. Or so it seems. On their way back to the shuttle, Starbuck and Boomer are attacked and the energizer stolen. Starbuck returns to town as he thinks he knows who stole the energizer. Starbuck starts winning the money he needs to buy the seed by playing pyramid against the local yokels. But when it comes to the final hand, Starbuck is tricked into accepting the constable's shield, and unknowingly the office it represents, in the final kitty. When Adama and the rest of the colonials arrive and ask to speak to the local lawman, they're introduced to Starbuck. Another raid by the Bores happens, but this time the constable doesn't die because the Bores are met with Starbuck, Apollo, and Boomer with laser guns. Instead, the Bores just capture Bellaby and go home. The warriors follow the Bores and, with Starbuck's unique understanding of the lazy, self-serving interest in his own pleasure mind of the Boré's leader, he secures Bellaby's release and works out a unique arrangement to stop the Boré raids on the town. Bellaby, impressed with Starbucks' talents, but unimpressed with Adama's ability to get her release, dumps Adama. The end. <clears throat> the Magnificent Seven Warriors. <sighs> oh, wait, no, there's no seven in there, but maybe there should be. Um, yeah, okay, so we we cracked a little bit about uh, The Last Warrior being um, a ripoff of the movie Shane. And and this is of course um, the Magnificent Seven. Done. And of course, Gun Planet and I uh, badly. Uh, yeah, on Ice Planet Zero, that was Guns of Navarone. That's right. So yeah, we're seeing a lifting, a lot of lifting of existing uh, stories and fiction. Oh, oh, I should point out that the pilot was a ripoff of the Bible. Well, yeah, that one's out of copyright, though. I don't know about the others. But, True, yeah. <laughs> but it is. I, I mean, it is. It's, I wonder it's if it's the, ever been filed. I doubt it. Hmm. But that it's, might it's, make you. Be, that might be a money maker. It's a telling it. of the. It's it's basically a telling of the destruction of the twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah. So it's like we're not getting any original stories. At least it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. No, that does kind of play into the fact that, as as we pointed out, they were. Um, 
you know, pressed for time and desperate to crank out the first few episodes. So I'm hoping and, and we get remember, a little and, bit better. And I seem to remember you saying that this was not intended originally to be a full-fledged series. It was going to be just like a, a series of movies. Yeah. That yeah. You know, could be a reason why. Yeah, this is, like I said, when they when they changed their mind and they said, now you're going to a series, they basically went to the writers and said, now, 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 stories, stories. And I'm guessing they sat around the room and go, well... I hear science fiction's like a western in space. Uh, how about you, Shane? You, Magnificent Seven. Uh, you, uh, The Guns of Navarone's really not a western, but uh, war movies? They're in the war? Sure, why not? Let's go. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And I, you know, um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be critical of their ripping off the Bible. Um, and not not for any predisposed reasons I have about the Bible, but in other words, that is a mythology story, and you know, retelling of mythology is pretty common. You know, yeah, that, that, it, that's a, the thing that's been going on. But it's the whole point. That's no, you're right. Ages. I mean, but Trek to has actually done pick that. up a movie, you know, an original work, and go, which <sighs> Magnificent Seven's really the Seven Samurai, really, you know. But it, it goes back to something in our close to our lifetimes, a, a new original novel trying to film and then and then continuing to redo it like that um it's a little more egregious in my book um Mm -hmm. i guess but well i only bring it up because it's and you're right i mean borrowing a mythology to kind of update it whatever that's yeah we've seen that done you know i don't know how many times i only brought it up in this particular case because it's just more of the same more yeah yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll take that. I, I, I would be happy if they just stuck with one. You know, if they wanted to rip off the Bible, that's fine. If they want to tell that type of mythology story. That'd be great. Go ahead and do that. Tell us mm-hmm. tales of the devil and, and you know, temptation and deliverance and, and all those, those things. It's, it's these detours into Western town that's just really bugs the heck out of me. But anyway, um. <clears throat> I, I'll ask how, how, how well did it uh, work for you? Uh, you know, <laughs> it didn't. I mean, and and the worst worst of all is that uh, this was th- there was only one thing missing from this episode, and that was a laugh track. It was meant to be a little bit more comedic. A um, little. Well, yeah. I think this is this is maybe the first time that Lauren Green actually got to really dip his, you know, more than his toe in the waters of comedy. I mean, it was he was borderline ridiculous. He, he didn't carry it off very well, I have to say. The whole. And then you've got you. You then uh, uh, Brett Summers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Boy. Um, it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Brett Summers is not that much of an actress, and I, I don't mean that in a, I don't mean that uh, in a, a critical way. No, she's just not. But you know the, uh, you know sometimes when you, well, specifically when I was a kid, I watched the Match Game all the time. She was a regular on the Match Game. Yeah, you me just too. assume that, that everybody on the Match Game or on a game show like that is a celebrity, but in fact, some of the people on the Match Game or other game shows are considerably more minor bit part they players became- and whatnot celebrities but because of was it the show that's right they they got on the show because they were quick-witted and they moved the show along so they were mm-hmm. basically you know she 
Belushi and Charles Nelson Riley and Richard Dawson were basically the paid, you know, comedians right. on the show. And then the others were, uh, were, were, were just, were actually quote unquote celebrities in most instances. And so you, th- when I think of them, I think she's more famous than she is, but frankly, I haven't seen her in much a couple episodes of the odd couple and, um, you know, this and you know, just a little bit here and there, but, but really not much. So, um, and she's not great. No. Um, you know, she's playing a, a horrific stereotype and for stupid purposes, you know, we, we don't, we don't know why she wants Adama to woo her or court her as the word they use, but, uh, it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like she, you know, she's got like the Adama thing going, man. You know, it just and it seems like it's a power trip. And well, did you notice her quarters when Adama showed up? It was oh, it's a bordello. I actually did not. I wasn't really paying any attention to that. Uh, I remember, it, I just thought it was cheap curtains hanging. It it screamed a bordello, and then I started thinking back to the pilot with Cassiopeia, and the she was a socialator mm-hmm. of, and, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't wasn't she like Geminis? Uh, no, but she she spoke Geminis. That was right. Why. Okay, that was it. That's it. But but she. But you know, Brett Summer's character, um, she's she, she's on a, a, a Gemini ship. So I don't know. It's just the whole thing kind of felt like it, I, yeah, it was. It was it was it was a Gemini ship. How do you that tell much them apart? I, they said it was. Oh, okay. They actually identified it. Okay, I didn't didn't catch that line. All right. So well, I, I the only reason I caught that is because I started thinking about you know the way her room looked, and then I started thinking is, is she like you know the Madame? <laughs> uh, no, no, she's not. Um, we might as well we might as well get this out of the way. Uh, there was more to the script than what either made it or got got cut out. She's a salvage expert she runs the salvaging business ah so and and she really likes so the the part that got removed was a revelation from adama to apollo that before i met your mother long before i met your mother cyrus Mm. bellaby and i courted well that would explain how he knew her that would explain how he knew her and then when he says and when i met your mother when i sealed with your mother she was not happy about that and she diverted her efforts into her salvage business where she delighted in defeating the men salvage experts or whatever. which would explain how she got the energizer yeah so um so that, you know there's some backstory there I, there's some other stuff they could have cut that would have made more sense than cutting the bit where you explain why the heck she's obsessed with adama you mm-hmm. know she she used to have a thing for him. He used to have a thing for her. And now she likes to screw people over or get the best deal or, you know, I mean, that's how she's thrown her life. And so we don't exactly get that. We just get this really weird, you know, you pick up that she might be a, a socialator's madam. It, it really doesn't. It's not very clear. No. In the final. Not with the way they edited script. it. No, yeah. I had no idea. And so. uh I mean, it. I mean, what you just said makes perfect sense, but I couldn't come to that conclusion. I mean, I I kind of surmise that there was some kind of a history, only based on Adama's reaction when he learned who had it. And that last line too. I see we've grown different ways, or something like that. Yeah. When when at the end when she dumps him, but yeah, uh, it 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 really is kind of like you just can't quite feel. You know, maybe she's trying to get to be number two on the fleet, and that's just you know, well, Adama's my agent. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's very poorly done, and and the fact that some of the stuff they left in was complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not crazy about this episode, but I will I will tell you with you know joy in my heart when I put this episode on and it started playing, and I of course it shows the you know the little clips from the up the episode upcoming at the beginning, and I'm like oh, this isn't the episode I thought it was mm-hmm. because I thought it was the Young Lords. 
and just a little bit of a spoiler, perhaps, that's my most hated episode of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, isn't that nice to know? And that's next. So, yes, that's our next uh, one. So I was so happy when this wasn't that because, the you know, the long patrol, the lost warrior, the mighty magnificent warriors, the young lords. It could be the young warriors, the young patrol, the lost magnificent, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they're so, these, this batch of names is so generically stupid. Right. And yeah. And they weren't very magnificent in this either. No. I, and I, I kept wondering what what's what's so magnificent about it. But then, oh, then the whole, it's not a rescue. It's the Starbuck and Adama and Apollo and Boomer all scaring away um, the Raiders, whatever, whatever they're called. which Bores. Yeah. yeah, the Bores. And then, then you've got that one. I can't think of his name. His name went out of my head. Um, the head of the Bores? Not head of the Bores. No, oh, that one's no, easy. no. The guy who uh, was gambling against Starbuck. Oh, uh, the mayor. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess the mayor. Yeah. I mean, so I've only seen bravery like that before. And, you know, they've got to be colonial wars. And I thought, uh, yeah. that, that was enough to make you say that they were colonial wars. I mean, hey, anybody with a brain would have done the same. Yeah. Which, I, which, which means, to t- which tells me that everybody who had been constituted before that was a, you know, a two-bit idiot. Well, yeah. I th- I mean, they're farmers. They're farmers. There's nobody on this planet that's been trained to fight. Um, but, you know, for a- another thing that's been excised from this episode, from the scripts, was an explanation as to why they didn't shoot them dead with their lasers. I, you know, I kind of thought, you know, all right, I... If you really want to put the fear of the lasers in the Bores, I kill a few sh- hundred of them. Yeah, you know, and, and I wondered about that myself. I thought, well, so why are we so hell-bent on not killing any of them, especially when they apparently have no qualms in killing any of the humans? Right. I well, mean, you know, and I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to justify this as an eye for an eye kind of thing, but... You know, especially in in a frontier type situation like we've been seeing repeatedly, uh, sometimes um, killing one of them. I hate to say it, you know, it's that that's what you kind of need to do. You don't need to just you know shoot the ground. I mean, you know, not to not to go back to Star Trek, but I'm reminded of the Galileo Seven, mm-hmm. where Spock kept telling the crew, "Don't shoot, you know, don't shoot the 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 these creatures. Yeah. these creatures. Shoot near them, scare them, but don't kill them, you know." And you know, as Spock realizes, it was an utter failure. Exactly. And we're getting that here again. It's the same kind of thing. They aren't going to respond to that. Well, basically, in the scripts, Starbuck wants to shoot him, and Adama is the one that keeps ordering them not to shoot. So I think we have to. I think we have to. You know, have to kill one. We have to. We have to show them that these are lethal. No, no, we're going to try to scare them off. There's so many thousands of them that they'll just kill us. There's no way we can take them all out. Therefore, if we kill one, they'll kill us, and that'll be the end of it. That's Adama's reasoning behind it. But the fact that we can't see that many Bores, even though they keep referencing them, right? They keep talking about there's thousands. The whole town is shaking when they come in you know you're supposed to think that there's tens of thousands hundreds of thousands if that's the case they certainly got through town really quickly they failed yeah well i think i think their argument was that the uh uh as they came into town the constable would shoot one or two of them and most of them would turn back and then uh, Nogal would lead a few of the bolder ones through. They'd uh, grab a couple of women and then they'd go off and get some food and then that was the end of it. So it, it's kind of... 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And of course, the fact that they can't show thousands of them. You know, if it were like Lord of the Rings orc army. Oh, right. Then, you know, then that would be, okay, I think maybe we should just hide. Now we get it. Not, not yeah, because tr- yeah, uh, there's no way you're going to be able to take them all out. But you have to ask your question. How many, mm. are there any female bores? Do they, do they really need to come in and grab a sex slave? And that's explicit in the, uh, in the cut scenes as well, which is probably not family friendly, but that's what they bring the, what they catch the women for. Oh, is, lovely. And then they, you know, they don't come back after that presumably they're dead but who knows maybe they're breeding more pig-faced uh, bores out there um, so jumping to the end now that um they've sort of made peace and the leader of the bores is now the town constable what does this do for the women mm, that's a good question well that's not adama's problem <laughs> it's, like, eh, it's not our problem just you keep him drunk and uh maybe maybe find somebody who's willing to take one for the team uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's ouch. It's, it's very. The whole thing is is rather disturbing, and I understand why they've excised it, but yet they didn't. They didn't remove enough of it that you couldn't kind of get the feel mm-hmm. of what they're doing. But because it's not explicit, it's not quite as. Yeah, and it, it, it's you. No, I'm I'm not not liking this one. And speaking of trying to be more family friendly, there is one thing in this episode. There is one thing that I appreciate in a twisted sort of way, and that is for once, Boxy makes a good case. He does. Can I go into thing? And Apollo's like, if that old bag can go, civilian, why can't I take my boy? Perfectly fine. Let's do it. This is the one time when they have a script reason where they can take the kid along. And it makes perfect sense. And then we never see him. Uh, we catch, I, we, we catch a glimpse of him, but he just catch a glimpse really of him. him. Uh, we get more of Muffet. Right. And once again, that's about it. If you need Muffet on the thing, why don't they just have a Muffet made? You yeah. Know? What? Make another one. Make another one for the, you know, for patrols and stuff. That's exactly what Dr. Uh, Salak said. Or is it Wilker? I can't remember which one. Wilker. No, Salak. Well, whichever mm. doctor it is that's the robotics guy, he's, he's, you know, he said, we were going to make, we'll have to make these for patrols and guarding our camps at night and stuff. And it's like, yeah, why don't you make one of those? Because <laughs> like, it actually came in useful. Not very useful, but a little useful. It helped a bit. Yeah. I think I he, mean, but I mean, it was it, it was more helpful than annoying boxing. this time. That too. They, they didn't do anything with it until they said, here, go find it. They go, okay. And off he goes. So, yeah, but I, I do uh, I do appreciate that. Now, let's talk about Cyrus Bellaby's Energizer. Oy. So Adama's logic is as follows. We need an Energizer to trade to this planet and and we have to find one and colonel ty says they're all over the galactica what's the problem we get tons of energizers no 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 we have to have an energizer that has no colonial markings on it because we don't, we don't want, want to trace back to us. We don't want to trace back to us. And it's like, first off, the Cylons just attacked you. They know where you are. Right. Second off, if they found that there was a planet of humans out there, they would kill them and destroy it all. They're going to kill them anyway. Never. Now, what I'm thinking is that maybe they're worried about the people on the planet going, oh, look, this is colonial stuff and spreading rumors. But but really, that doesn't make much sense. So how much this, of a difference is that going to make? It wouldn't doesn't seem like it would make much since they already know they were right near it and attacked the Galactica anyhow. And then the next question is, really? Tell Bellaby to give you the Energizer and have your guards go down there and stick a gun in her face. You're under martial law and you yeah. are the absolute dictator of the colony, of the, the fleet. And obviously you don't want to be that guy. So how about this? 
Bellaby, we'll give you one of these cool brand new awesome generators from the Galactica in exchange for your crappy old Orion one with no markings on it. Yeah, that's oh, a great okay. idea. There you go. It's problem solved. And But then we have to have this stupid subplot of Yeah, there's her. there's no... It, we need it to be a plot device. Yeah. Unfortunately. Which is, you know, some, one of the things that a lot of television suffers from, especially, you know, the science fiction shows that we've talked about, you know, that have come from this era, in that is they just don't really follow the line of logic in why why you have to have a particular plot situation or why do you have to have a particular plot twist they never really follow that instead they just think oh wouldn't it be funny if uh-huh also uh, it's come it's quite clear that when starbuck brings out his colonial cubits which would by same definition um be a problem as the energizer with regards to identification, it's quite clear that the uh, people on the agro planet have no problem whatsoever accepting that as money because it goes right on their analyzer and they take it. And we're pretty mm-hmm. sure it's gold. So they could have just sold gold to them. They could have yeah. bought it instead of trying this ridiculous trade. So, you know, oh, and, wh- oh, and one other thing, s- since we're on that, because um, this was bothering me as I was watching it last night, and that is when uh, Starbuck wins the badge. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't speak for any kind of diplomacy that perhaps uh, Adama was trying to achieve. But I know me. I am just flaky enough to say, F you. Yeah. You know, oh, really? Is that what this means? I'd be tossing and say, I don't think so, and then walk out the door. Yeah. Like, what do you, who, who's going to arrest me? Who's going to stop me? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm the law, right? Yeah. Goodbye. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. It, make, it, makes, it makes no sense. Now, the only interesting thing in this whole story, well, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll pretend like it's interesting. But the only <laughs> thing that's interesting in this really story is completely and utterly glossed over and forgotten. Adam speculates that there's one of two things that happen on this agro planet. One is that it's either uh, come out from the colonies or that it's a spur off from Earth. Right. The shield has writing on it, which we don't get to see up close, that's Starbuck says, I don't recognize. I don't read. I can't read that. I can't read that. And then we never go anywhere. So is that earth writing? Because he did um, say it's it's the ancient language of the people who founded this place or something like that. It's like, well, I seem to, I kind of seem to remember there was once some ancient script. Now, not hieroglyphs, mm-hmm. but some ancient script that Adama was reading in an earlier episode, maybe the, the second or third episode that we reviewed, where he could could read it well there was ridiculous um those were ridiculous um primitive hieroglyphs that looks like well, stick fingers but you right know, i mean not the hieroglyphs sanskrit but there was some actual there. writing some like like a sanskrit or something that adama was able to read it's i possible. seem to remember that taking place so i'm wondering if that isn't what we saw here it might be. in any case it was something that was not thought out it wasn't explored it wasn't explored and so there was never even a bit at the end where starbuck goes oh by the way that shield had some strange writing on it and adama would maybe be like, you should oh, take a look at it earth yeah or something but yeah they didn't uh, they didn't do that so <laughs> uh so let me ask this uh question how the heck oh wait first nighttime planet another nighttime planet they're all nighttime planets did this story take the place over one night or did this story just uh, i don't know well and then the, how, how it, it could have been it couldn't have been just one night because uh otherwise it you can have multiple moon rises in the same night sure Depends on well the there's also there, there was also some dialogue <laughs> going on uh at one point that seemed to indicate that several nights had passed 
it, it, it it's possible or are there such thing as nights because it's a nighttime planet i don't know time is really confusing when they do stuff like that where well, they make certainly it certainly hi- well it certainly hides the fact that it's a back lot okay and then there's the other thing I noticed it at the beginning, and it kind of happens at the end. They seem surprised when the full moon's coming up. Did you notice that? It's like, yeah. Oh, oh, oh it's a oh full, my God, moon a full moon It's like, if your town is being raided every full moon. You would kind of want to chart when your full moons happen. And, and arguably, maybe they're stupid, but usually farmers agricultural communities are always the first to figure out that you need to know where the planets and the stars and the moon are uh-huh right even i mean yes this is going to be different because not only are we on a planet that you can see a a full moon b what's either a giant crescent moon or an eclipsed planet and saturn <laughs> all on the same mm. night yeah I in the sky that. Um, I, it's like maybe that moon is just zipping around that planet. It's like, oh, no, it's like it comes up six times a night. And the bores come in every time. Like, great, yeah, wonderful. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really care for that one uh, aspect of it. And it, like I said, when they make it all night, all the time, there's just no, you get no feel for time passing. And and even if we did see it, so the the Galactica says they're going to this planet that's nearby, right? Mm-hmm. And Adama says to Apollo, "Get it kitted up and let's go." Right? That that kind of sounds like they're going to do this right away, right? That's when we see the Bores make their first attack. How long does it take them to get to this planet? A day? A few <sighs> hours? Seem, oh, it seemed rather quick. It, it didn't feel like it took them a whole lot of time, and so no. therefore another full moon. Which you know, if it's here, you get full moons. Um, on, uh, on you know successive nights, I suppose, um, depending on how pure your werewolf lore is. But yeah, it was yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the surprise moon is possibly the worst of the astronomy yet in Galactica. And you thought we're moving into a different galaxy, or <laughs> that star system over there is uh... you know it's like all oh, that's bad. But the fact that they don't know when their moon's coming up, that may be the worst yet. Yeah, that might be the worst yet. Um. The Argo ships, Agro ships, Argo ships, mm-hmm. Silent Running. Yeah, I they, noticed that too. They used I mean, they, from- they did. They did use footage from Silent Running. Um, it was. I mean, it's a little different. They, they they did some pullbacks, and you got to see the entire uh, Agro ship, and the, the the fuselage was was different in design. But when you get some close ups, it's like, oh yeah, it's it's Silent Running. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think they just reused reused some footage from it. But um, um, <clears throat> that's the beauty of a of a film library. I hope they And I do know that they will use <laughs> silent running footage again. They'll use they'll Much use some other on. footing footage again from another yeah. infamous movie at some point uh, in the Oh, I'm sure they will, but I do know that there is another silent running uh piece of footage that they're going to use much later on. Mm-hmm. All right. What else have we got? I'm wondering what the silence would make of the Bores. <sighs> Good question. Um, well, they really? might convert them into slave labor, much like they tried to with the clones. So they're subhuman, so we don't have to worry about them. Make them slaves. Right. I'm, what is our... Um, what's the logic? What's the what's the You're tactical? trying to yeah, apply no. logic to this? Yeah, I didn't want to use that word, but it's the only oh, one dear. I could come up with. The, the, the Cylon attack. Assuming the first that place? Cylon attack came from Baltar? Do we, do we assume that? Um, well, his is the base star that's following, so I would assume that it's under his order. Well, they may occasionally pass a Cylon patrol listing post planet or something. And they, I mean, True. 
true, but we didn't get that indication this time. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like that this was just another Cylon patrol, you know, or a raiding patrol from the base star. I mean, that's that's what I concluded. So basically, Adama knows that the Cylons still know right where they are. Yeah. Yeah, so... That hasn't changed. No no need to worry about hiding that you're going to the grain planet or something. Um, right. Do you really think that they could survive with two-thirds of their food capacity destroyed? That's a, that's a significant... That's huge. That's a huge ding. It's a massive ding. I mean, we saw the panic that they all went through in the pilot episode when a lot of the food stores got contaminated. Now you're adding this on top of it? I don't think so. I, I would have been a lot happier if they had, um, you know, blown some domes. Oh, that would have looked awesome. Well, it would have looked awesome, but it also would have been repairable. Yeah. So you, you could put the capacity... By destroying those aggro ships, once you blow those up, you're done. It's all, it's done. Yeah, it's pretty permanent. Although you do have to wonder, I think in Silent Running, if I'm not mistaken, the... It's been a long time since I saw that film. If I'm not mistaken, the aggro domes are still orbiting the sun. Therefore, mm. having glass domes does kind of make sense for getting sunlight. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Where are they getting their sunlight? In this particular case? In this particular <laughs> case. <laughs> you know, once the aggro Where's a lot leave, of the source light coming from? When, when the agronomes leave uh, leave the, the solar system, planetary system, galaxy, whatever you call it, <laughs> where do they get their, where do they get their sunlight from? Uh, obviously, it's just because it's a reused, reused ship and you go, oh, that's cool looking. It's like, an, it's like a biodome. That makes perfect sense. Or a greenhouse. Or not. It really doesn't actually make a lot of sense in that context. But, not in this context. No, yeah. it doesn't. Okay. This is Richard Hatch's least favorite episode. Is it? I, I wonder, I, I wonder why. why. Yeah, I wonder why. Now, I know that there was some... I don't know... I don't know if there was hard feelings between Richard Hatch and Dirk Benedict or whether there was just hard feelings towards the producers. But, you know, Apollo is the star of the ship, yeah. supposedly. And... My understanding is that not only have they, at times, you know, put stories forward where Starbuck gets more screen time, they've also had stories where they literally just scratched in Starbuck instead of Apollo, or vice versa, to, you know, try to give one or the other more screen time. And, uh, you know, I can, I can sympathize with Apollo, with Richard Hatch here. He's Adama's son. He's the captain of this missi- mission. But frankly, he has less to do than Boomer yeah. in this episode. And, and he's there. Not only is he there on the planet, but then what? Adama doesn't even let him go. Like, it, it literally feels like he was supposed to be the one to go into town. And then they said, oh, well, no, maybe we'll just, yeah, we'll just you keep You got to thing. be the gunslinger last time. We're going to send Starbuck. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Starbuck wasn't more popular. Actually, Starbuck was more popular. You know. um, He was more popular because people love a roguish character. And he's quite the rogue. He's the lovable rogue. Exactly. I mean, he is uh, this series equivalent to Han Solo in a way. You know, I'm not saying that he's a pirate or anything like that, although he, the way that he loves to gamble and all that. But he's that, that reckless kind of hotshot pilot kind of mm-hmm. guy, while Apollo is the straight and narrow, true blue kind of character. There's your Luke Skywalker and your Han Solo. And that has long been, you know, the curse of television shows where the, the person who is supposed to be the star and... 
you know, sometimes people look at it as, oh, it's your ego. It's like, it's not their ego, right? They hired him to be the star of the show. (laughs) You know, this is my contract. You're the star, blah, 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 whatever. Martin Landau or William Shatner or whatever the case may be. And the business end of the situation came up. The the television negotiating aim is like, you know, folks are really liking that pointy-eared guy a lot. Let's give him some more screen time. I, I can understand why people might get... No, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I really do get it. I mean, if I were, you know... T- okay, so let's let's uh, use the Star Trek analogy. If I were in Shatner's position, you know, and had been hired with the idea I am to be the star, and all of a sudden I find my screen time being reduced, you know, why are you acting? You're, you're acting, A, be, well, it's a, it's a job, but B, you're acting because you want to do it. You want to get in front of the camera. You want to do that performance. It's in the actor's blood. You know, and I know that we've talked a lot about Martin Landau and the things that he, you know, how he likes to have, you know, X amount of screen time mm-hmm. for Space Night to 1999, but the premise is still there. Yeah. So I could understand why... Right, Richard Hatch might feel a sense of jealousy if Starbuck or if uh, Dirk Benedict was getting more screen time than himself. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. Yeah. So, and I can I can totally understand in this episode. I mean, he should be. I mean, obviously, I find it hard to believe they could trick him into becoming the constable the way they did Starbuck. You know, in a poker game. Mm. And I don't think that way. He just wouldn't be in that situation. It would fly on a no. It would not work with Apollo. So you do kind of have to have somebody who's a little bit. An idiot. Idiot, yeah, to do that, or or has a, a big chink in his armor that he can't see coming. And then, you know, the resolution as well is very Starbuck. It it, it, it wouldn't make any sense coming out of Apollo right. at the end. So the story is, is both tailored for Starbuck, but at the same time, it, it feels like... Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely given a shaft to, to Apollo, and I, I you know I don't know if that's why Richard Hatch finds this his least favorite episode, but it certainly could be a contributing factor. Uh, and, you know, yeah. maybe he's offended by them, uh, you know, remaking Akira Kurosawa's classic Seven Samurai uh, in space, <laughs> which is of course wait a minute, it's hold it, possible. hold it, it's it's oh oh I'm gonna build I'm gonna pull this out of my memory. Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle beyond the stars yes <laughs> the other seven yeah roger corman yes. which was Richard much thomas, better george papard yeah richard thomas george papard uh, the girl um, with the the massive um oh the valkyrie <laughs> yeah those people yeah 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 um and oh shoot i can't think of his name now was carolyn though. seymour in that one as well carolyn seymour no she was no, not in that one she was not in that one All no right. uh, although she would have been perfect as a valkyrie <laughs> Uh, but, um, oh shoot, I can't think of his name. It's, it's out of my head now, but he was in the, uh, Magnificent Seven and he played the same, he Yul played Brenner? the same character. No, not Yul Brynner. John Saxon was in this, by the way. Was yeah, he Battle was. Was he on the stars? Yeah. yeah, he was the bad guy, but no, this one character. Yeah. He's, he's the, um, the criminal. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. He played the same part. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, and I can't think of his name. Well, this will give listeners something to comment on. Comments. <laughs> Wasn't comments he below. in the, um, Man from Uncle? Oh, Robert Vaughn? Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Yes, Vaughn. yes that's exactly right. He was in it. That's right. That's right. That would make for a better conversation, this movie, <laughs> than, than this episode. It seriously would. It, it probably would. All right. Well, I don't know that I have anything else other than to say that I am very, very, very disappointed oh. that the next episode is The Young Lords. <laughs> Nice. Uh, 
That one, I, 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 I'm going to do some research and find out if that's stolen from some film. Because if it is, it's stolen from a film I hate. <laughs> Must be. All right. Uh, anything else about this? I got nothing else happens? about this dreadful piece of work except that it, it, it was like watching a, a bad sitcom mingled with Fantasy Island or Love I'd rather Boat watch or Quark. God knows what. Yeah, I'd rather watch Quark. Exactly. All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me down this trip down memory lane. I wish I could say it was a pleasure, but it certainly wasn't. <laughs> Listeners, I do hope you will join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.